Welcome to another episode of the YXC Sports Podcast for Monday, May the 10th. We are live at Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar on the corner of Circle and Idlewild in Saskatoon. We're live on the Wendell Clark's Facebook page, the YXC Sports Podcast Facebook page, and we're also on No YXC. Matt Morrison with you and uh, Ray Morrison to my Hello. left. Wow. Big day in terms of Saskatoon Big day. sporting landscape, of course. Yeah. If you uh, missed the story, it was funny because we were kind of talking about what we were going to talk about yesterday, yeah. and this wasn't even a thought. No. And now all of a sudden it's <laughs> the biggest story in Saskatoon yeah. and Saskatchewan. But Mike Priestner, uh, the owner uh, of the Saskatoon mm-hmm. Blades, the Priestner Sports Corporation, has purchased the National Lacrosse League's Saskatchewan Rush. Of course, both teams play out of Saskatoon, the Saskatoon Blades, the team that he already owns, and the Saskatchewan Rush, who were previously owned by Bruce Urban and his family. So Bruce Urban has sold the Saskatchewan Rush to Mike Priestner and uh, the Priestner Sports Corporation will now own the Saskatoon Blades and the Saskatchewan Rush. Thoughts? Well, I I think there's a few things that kind of play into this. Um, It'll be interesting to see now if uh, the uh, Priestner Sports Group uh, purchases the Saskatchewan Rattlers as well, because I would definitely give them all three of the major tenants or anchor tenants that are at South Snell Center right now. I think one of the things to consider about this is the fact that uh, there have been a lot of discussions around Saskatoon about a new entertainment district. And with that, I mean, obviously, a businessman of uh, Mike Priestner's um, uh, good fortune, uh, I think over 40 car dealerships across Canada. Uh, obviously, he's a very, very affluent businessman and obviously a very successful businessman as well who sees an opportunity here to really make an impact in Saskatchewan. If you take a look at Go Auto, the company he owns, there are dealerships all over, but none in Saskatchewan. And obviously he feels that, you know, perhaps post-pandemic, this is a good market to invest in, whether it be in sports. And we'll also see what sort of investment he's ready to make uh, in the business front in Saskatchewan outside of sports. And part of that outside of the box thinking would be, a new building as well. So exactly what this deal looks like with Sastel Center. And we know it's been a tough year at Sastel Center. Obviously, with regards to the pandemic, it's been tough. But, you know, on top of that, with this discussion of the new entertainment district, uh, what role does the Priestner Sports Corporation play in that? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Colin Priestner, who, of course, is the general manager of the Saskatoon Blades, will be the governor of the Saskatchewan Rush. However, Derek Keenan, who actually just stepped down as the Rush head coach a couple of months ago, but was... Yep. Always going to stay on as GM, will continue to stay on as GM, and he will be kind of in charge of all lacrosse operations. And I think that's what a lot of people were kind of wondering about when this announcement came down. But Derek Keenan will stay on, and he's had so much success with that roster that he's constructed ever since they've been in Saskatoon. The the Rush won their last year in Edmonton in 2015. They won their first year in Saskatoon, then again back in 2018. Uh, Ian, do you have that graphic that we can put up because this was a blurb from the release today. And uh, this comes uh, by way of SaskatoonBlades.com. The acquisition of the rush was not something the Priestner Sports Corporation instigated as the franchise was not actively for sale when talks began. The ownership change resulted from a series of friendly conversations between Bruce Urban and the Priestner family over the past year. These conversations naturally evolved and eventually the chance to acquire a premier championship franchise in a league the Priestner family is passionate about was too promising to pass up. 
Yeah, that is the statement. You know, the, the one thing that you also uh, kind of wonder about is, um, was there not somebody from Saskatoon who maybe wishes they would have stepped up and had a bigger role in this? And uh, I don't know Mike. I, and to be honest, I don't know Colin all that well. And I've been around a long time. I've talked to them both, terrific people. But I don't, I don't know the family that well. And I don't know Mike and or Colin particularly well. But one of the things that I continue to wonder about is the fact is, you know, could a Saskatoon-based company have stepped up and, and, and done this? And, you know, lots of, uh, lots of chatter of who the most affluent business owners in Saskatchewan are. And is this going to be a missed opportunity for a Saskatoon owner or business person or business people or group to uh, have uh, that, that they've missed out on it? I guess, uh, uh, you know, time will tell. And the other thing, I, again, and I'll, I'll touch on it on the top, but, you know, it, with the, this much um, of a holding now, Matt, on the two big tenants, the, right. the Rush and the Blades that the Priester Sports Corporation has now, do they step in and buy the Rattlers? One of the things that happened, and they haven't been on the floor yet, I don't think, the Ottawa franchise in the Canadian Elite Basketball League, it's a little bit of a hybrid. So the first six teams were actually owned by uh, the league, but the Ottawa franchise, it's kind of owned by a group and the league as well. And I think one of the things they want to do with the Canadian Elite Basketball League is have business owners right. as opposed to one owner for all the teams. So you wonder if, that's something that, uh, that Mike Priester might be considering as well. Travis has a comment. Of course, he's watching on Facebook, and his comment is, Rush fans are skeptical by this sale. Time will tell what it truly means, and I think it's it's easy to look at the success of the Saskatchewan Rush yep. and the success or lack thereof of the Saskatoon Blades. Yep. And it's, it, you know, it is a fair question. Uh, I had that same question today, Ray, and your response to me was, well, look at the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> yep. Right, yeah, the Buffalo yeah, Bills exactly. of the NFL and the Buffalo Sabres of the NHL are both owned by Kim and Terry Pagula. One team uh, has struggled in recent years. Another team has not struggled in recent yeah. years. In fact, the Buffalo Bills in a few years are probably going to be one of the marquee franchises of the National Football League with all the young talent that they have. So I understand where Travis is coming from. I understand where Rush Nation is coming from. But as long as the Saskatchewan Rush continue to have that success on the floor that Rush fans are so accustomed to, I think that uh, it's going to be okay. And as long as, in my opinion, Derek Keenan stays on in some cap capacity with the Saskatchewan Rush because he's done so good at constructing that team, that team will continue to have success is my two cents on it. Uh, but it will be interesting to see kind of what the game day feels yeah. are like and what the atmosphere is like. But I, I don't do think, I don't think they'll change much. Yeah. I, no, I, I really don't think that a whole lot is going to change. Like yeah. I know Rush fans are a little bit worried and I've heard from more than Rush, one Rush fan about yeah. that very thing. Yeah. Right. You know, um, I, I really think, as you mentioned, and, and I think this, as long as they leave Derek Keenan involved with that team, you know, it speaks for itself. And, and lacrosse and hockey are just two different things. So if you don't change the, you know, if you don't change that game day presentation at all, I think that engagement is going to stay with the lacrosse fans in Saskatoon. I really don't think they care who, who owns the team. I don't think that's it from their perspective. And the other yeah. thing, too, is, is a lot of fans are kind of ignoring what I said off the top. And what I said off the top is Mike Priester is an outstanding business guy, like yeah. phenomenal, right? That's what this is about. This yeah. is about securing two to maybe three anchor tenants of this building at SAS Tell Center, right? And seeing the future for what it's worth. You know, post-pandemic, 
what is this economy going to look like? So I understand the wins and losses, but there's also a profit and loss conversation that Mike Priestner has no doubt thought about and uh, no doubt likes the looks of in, in this part of the province in Saskatoon that he's, he's uh, made the move that he's going to make today. Everybody knew kind of once uh, the Saskatoon Blades went all in in that 2013 Memorial Cup, everybody knew that the years following were going to be a little bit difficult. Then yep. you have the sale from the Brodsky family to the Priestner yep. family, and it has been tough sledding for the Saskatoon Blades. There's been no doubt about it. However, in the you know most recent years, I think the Blades are starting to build a little bit of a team under this Priestner ownership oh, group. Yep. And yep. the general manager, of course, is Colin Priestner. A lot of that had to do with Kirby Doc back in 2018, 2019, yep. but with Mitch Love in as the, the head coach, I do think that, you know, the Saskatoon Blades are starting to, you know, kind of figure it out a little bit and hopefully can come back to that success as well. But uh, Saskatoon has the uh, the ability here as a sports town to be uh, a hot, hot sports town with the Rush, the Blades, the Rattlers, and even university sports, which we're going to talk to uh, to you guys about next. But yeah, that was uh, it was a wild story that came came down the wire. This <laughs> yeah, morning. it was. I was, I was, it was a busy, busy so, May 10th for sure. Yeah. Canada West has released their formats for a 2021-2022 season. Of course, Canada West is the University of Saskatchewan Huskies and every league that's involved uh, with that. So here's how it's going to break down. For Canada West football, it will be a six-game season. They are going to play each team once and an additional team twice. So it sounds like the U of S Husky football team will play either Alberta or Calgary one additional time okay is what it sounds like because UBC will draw one of the Alberta schools yeah. Saskatchewan will draw the El- other Alberta school okay. and then uh, the University of Regina will uh, play the Bisons one extra time and that just has to do with where they're located yeah. and Geography, travel and, yep. and stuff like that so uh, it sounds like that's how that's going to go down for football for hockey it'll be a 20 game season you will play each team twice Manitoba Alberta and Saskatchewan will play each other two additional times. Again, sounds like geography yeah. related. Uh, and I mean, how good is a U of S Husky hockey series going to be against Alberta this year, yeah, right? I mean, those are always yeah. the, the two heavyweights in Canada West men's hockey. Of course, we get to see Mike Babcock behind the bench uh, for the U of S Husky hockey team yeah. this year. And then for basketball, there are going to be three divisions, a BC division, a Prairie division, and an Alberta division. And it sounds like the Alberta and... Prairie Division will play, uh, those four teams will play four times type of thing. I think it's going to be a 16 or an 18 game schedule okay. for basketball. But uh, something for these university, uh, these student athletes to look forward to and something for university fans to look forward yeah. to as well. Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, uh, Merlis Belcher Place isn't really all that old. And with Mike Babcock coming over, obviously there's a tremendous amount of buzz about this men's hockey team this year. But, you know, the football team, they showed some great strides, obviously. That's an exciting brand of football as well. And, um uh, I was uh, having a chat uh, two weeks ago with Merlis Belcher. Yep, Merlis Belcher Place. And I told him that Leah Balkin, who played for the Huskies a couple of years ago, the, the Huskies women's hockey team, provided me with one of the greatest broadcast thrills ever because I was actually doing the streaming broadcast. They were short bodies, so I just went in and did the streaming broadcast just for something to do on one night. And Leah Balkin, so you can put this down in the history book, she scored the first ever Huskies goal at Merlis Belcher Place. So that'll be a trivia question down the road. Leah Balkan is your answer. So it's it's so exciting to watch the women's hockey program as well. And uh, obviously we're, you know, big fans of Lisa and the men's team, the basketball team. So uh, 
to have this schedule is obviously triggering a ton of optimism. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah, no, it'll be absolutely fantastic. And I know uh, how much just with me being close to the Husky football team, of course, I was the, the color analyst for 2018 and 2019. Yeah. And I know how hard uh, not being able to play last year was for some of those absolutely. players. Yeah. And, you know, I know that uh, they're looking forward to getting back on the field. Uh, Scott Flory has done a tremendous job ever since he took over as the head coach of this program. And this Husky football team is uh, starting to gain some momentum as well. And then, of course, you always have the basketball at the pack, which once you get the pack packed, yep. it's a, a, a heck of a time oh, really inside is. the yep. pack, right? Watching university football or uh, university basketball or university volleyball, for that matter, as well. I just want to go back to uh, another comment from Travis. He just had a follow-up comment back to the rush thing. And that is, in Keenan, we trust as far as the team goes, but game day and community involvement are huge with this team, player-to-fan relations, things like that. Fans aren't worried about the business side of it, good or bad. I think yeah. Saskatoon Blades have done some pretty good things in the community over the years as well, right? So I think that that community involvement will will stay. Oh, absolutely. Right, yeah. the Saskatchewan I, yeah, Rush as well. Again, I, I don't think a whole lot's going to change yeah. for either team the way that, like, the, the, the game day presentation, I don't think changes yeah. on either side. I think we're just looking forward to getting sports back. Yeah, and so that's, <laughs> that's what all it is. really is. Well, and that's right? what it is. I mean, if you yeah. take a look at this, so I know, I know, fans they like profit and loss or wins and losses. They don't necessarily want to talk about profit and loss. But you think about if you're if you're the owner of a team or in any business and you're thinking about pent up demand, whether you're in sports or travel or entertainment or or crowds gather, you think about how long we've waited to get things back to normal. I think that's, that's too long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's you know that's one of the things that that promoters and sports owners and building and hoteliers and everybody's kind of looking forward to. And when you're just a sports fan talking profit and loss, it doesn't. You yeah. know, fans don't think that way. Yeah, but that's that's what it's about. So yeah. it's about you know having that great timing, right? For sure. And that's that's kind of what it is. Of course, we are live at Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bars. We are every single Monday. We're also coming to you live on uh, Facebook and YouTube. The NHL playoffs are right around the corner, and you can come on down to Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar and watch every single NHL playoff game. And the NHL playoffs this year are going to be spectacular. So if you're looking for a place to watch an NHL game starting to get nice out weather-wise, venture out. Come on down to Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar on the corner of Circle and Idlewild. If you want uh, takeout for your NHL playoff matchup, you can do that too through Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar. One more note on the Canada West side of things. The Canadian Football League draft was held last week. Three Saskatchewan Husky players went, including Nelson Lacombo, who went number two overall to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Connor Berglov went in the third round. He was a big bearing center for the the Saskatchewan Huskies. He went to the Ottawa Red Blacks. And Josh Hagerty, safety, went in the sixth round, 47th overall, to the Toronto Argonauts. So yet again, the Saskatchewan Huskies are well represented at the CFL draft. Of course, uh, Nelson Lacombo, the first um, Husky player off the board to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, second overall. Yeah, now it's an exciting time, obviously, for those guys. If you think about, you know, athletes who have been chomping at the bit, how about these Canada West football yeah. players that you talked about? So to have some draft news and that sort of thing, just to get those players excited is good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with restrictions slowly lifting, you can kind of get back into more sort of team workouts and that sort of thing. Yeah. So. That's uh, that's good. Of course, Connor Bergloff was uh, the anchor, one of the anchors of that offensive line that allowed Adam Mackhart to uh, yeah. break records back in 2019, yeah. right? That big yeah. bearing offensive line. Connor Bergloff is a Saskatoon kid as well. And uh, Josh Hagerty is from Regina. Nelson Lacombo is from uh, Abbotsford 
BC. But uh, when you look at the Riders drafts, the, you know, they kind of addressed the defensive side of the football with Nelson Lacombo, and then they also addressed the offensive line need with Logan Bandy out of Calgary. So a good draft, or a lot, a lot of people are saying, well, but it's a good draft for Jeremy. And you bring up Nelson's name, too. I mean, that's not going to hurt in a couple of years on specials, either, yeah. right? So that's one thing that Jeremy O'Day was probably weighing into, into factor there. He absolutely explosive at times on yeah. special teams. I think Jeremy O'Day has done a fantastic job with his team in the front office. Yeah. Me personally. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's like I've always said about Jeremy. I mean, one of the things, and I know we're off topic now, but one of the things that I've always said about Jeremy is you think when he broke into the Canadian Football League, you know, you're around Don Matthews, you're around Chris Jones, you're around so many great people and players and that sort of thing that now you can take that, that decades of experience and bring them into your role as a general manager, either being an assistant under somebody like Eric Tillman who won a yep. great cup yep. or – or, or that sort of thing. There's a lot of names that uh, a guy like Jeremy O'Day has run across in the Canadian Football League, which has made him a pretty good GM. Feels good to not talk about the CFL-XFL merger for a week. Okay, I'll move on now. Uh, <laughs> NHL news and notes. The NHL regular season, of course, is winding down. There's yep. games on the TV as we broadcast live from Wendell Clark's classic grill and bar. And we'll get to the kind of the on-ice and maybe some of the playoff matchups in a little bit. But the uh, NHL coaching carousel is already starting to turn, as it usually does Towards the end of the season, it has been uh, a mutual, I put that in quotation marks, agreement between John Tortorella and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, He won't return, which you're very happy about. Uh, But the other kind of maybe surprise is Rick Tockett, the head coach in Arizona for the past few seasons, is out as the Coyotes head coach. We'll get to your thoughts on John Tortorella in a bit, but... uh, the whole talking in Arizona situation, I don't think was all of his fault. No. I think he was a little bit of a fall guy in Arizona with the way that that uh, organization has been ran over the past couple of years. Well, past couple of years. I mean, it's that's 15 a, years. I mean, that's a tough <laughs> franchise. I mean, Arizona, that's been a tough franchise to, to watch, even going back to the days when Wayne Gretzky was head coach. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, I don't know if that team is, I won't, I won't say cursed, but that's a, that's a fan base that, you know, I don't know how many season ticket holders there have been in Glendale and Arizona over the years, but uh, but God bless them. I mean that's that's been a that's been a tough go. That has been a really tough franchise to kind of you know get behind when you think about uh, even even for that team to to try to pay the bills as they've had to. I mean Gary Bettman had to bail that team out on more than one occasion with the other owners keeping them in. Uh, I think Gary Bettman a couple of decades ago saw something in that television market that he wanted to desperately have a team in Arizona, but uh, boy, it's been tough. And there's been so many storylines that haven't been good, whether it's attendance or things happening, you know, off the ice or whatever's gone on. And now to see Rick Tockett kind of go, it is, it is kind of too bad. And I did notice that, that neither, I don't think either release used the word fired. Okay. Did they? No, I don't know. I, I, the talker one might have it. I mean, it totally maybe. depends on it. Totally depends on the reporter or yeah. the network that breaks the story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll give you uh, the floor on John Tortorella in two seconds, but uh, I don't need a floor on John. <laughs> you don't I really yet. don't. No. No. <laughs> but um, we wanted to get this in last week, but we didn't. Uh, the NHL hockey deal or the TV deal in the states with oh, right. ESPN and TNT. Right. Um, it sounds like the uh, ESPN is going to sign Ray Ferraro and Brian Boucher to be some analysts. So Ray Ferraro will get to do some games on ESPN, it sounds like. I wonder if he's singing on TSN. I don't know. I just read this today. So, ah. And then Brian Boucher, who, of course, uh, does stuff on NHL and NBC now, 
will make its way over. Um, but the real reason I wanted to bring that up is uh, because you and I both agree that Gary Thorne should be back calling hockey. Absolutely, games, right? Gary Thorne. Yeah, I, I, is he still the Baltimore Orioles? I don't know. I'd have to. Yeah, I'd have I to look. kept up with Gary Thorne, but he had one of the best calls for American hockey broadcasters that there was. That uh, yeah, that would be that would be excellent. I don't know if we'll see that though. I think no. Uh, yeah, I don't know who might make their way over to. to call games for either one of these networks. And I think I saw in the deal, so ESPN's kind of more of the major network, obviously. Yeah. So I think more people would have access in the United States to ESPN than TNT. But I think TNT gets like three of the next seven Stanley Cups yeah. or something like that in the United States, yeah. which is kind of interesting. Well, and if you want to grow the game, especially in the States, it sounds like the TNT is, is a good place to be. Of course, that's where the NBA on TNT is. Yeah. And they got guys like Charles Barkley and Shaq. Right, doing their coverage yeah. on the NBA on TNT. So I think from kind of a production standpoint, uh, the, the NHL on TNT might uh, be able to grow the game in the States. Now, uh, when it was first announced, that deal with TNT, the um, TNT network put up a graphic of Andrew Ferentz with the Edmonton Oilers as opposed to Connor McDavid. So somebody must have just wrote in <laughs> yeah. Captain Edmonton Oilers and Andrew Ferentz popped up. Yeah. Uh, okay, an unbiased opinion on Tortorella. He's 62 years old. Yeah. Do you think he seeks out another NHL head coaching position? Oh, I think so. I, I, I think he is. You know, one of the things about John Tortorella is, like, if you take a look at John Tortorella, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, he's never coached a team that I've overly been a fan of. So I kind of look at this with, you know, a little bit pragmatic, a little bit of <laughs> indifference. Um, it just drives me crazy how when he's talking to the media, he is so indignant to the fans. It just drives me nuts. So, um, but you do wonder with that free fall that the Columbus Blue Jackets went through, does somebody, I think their leading scorer was uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand, who's been with that team for five or six years. You do wonder if there was a conversation between him and Kirk Elena, the general manager, who said, like, this is just like Vancouver all over again, when he rolled in and said, hey, Sadines, you're going to be blocking shots. What? Patrick Laine, you're going to be playing defense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? And yeah. immediately you saw him not get along with some of the star players. Um, you know, um, I think Pierre-Luc Dubois yeah. was probably the most notable, right? Yeah. Open blow-ups on the bench and that sort of thing. So that's, that. you know, it, it kind of makes it tough because, you know, you've got to let your stars be stars. And if you come in with kind of a, a system yeah. and you don't kind of play to your player's strengths, that doesn't always necessarily work. Now, I will say this. John Tortorella has won a Stanley Cup, right? And so that's what makes him a pretty good coach is you can never take that away from somebody like John Tortorella. And generally, when you ask people around the National Hockey League, I saw an interview with Brian Burke not too long ago, uh, who just kind of is moved into the Pittsburgh Penguins front office. And he said he loves John Tortorella. He says, John Tortorella is a great coach. And I'm yeah. sure there are players who, who, uh, who think that, but it just, you know, seems to me that, you know, star players are, they aren't exactly kind of able to let themselves flourish under him from kind of what I've, what I've seen of it. Right. Uh, he will go down as the winningest head coach in Columbus Blue Jackets history as well. Not that that would be very hard to do um, because the Columbus Blue Jackets have struggled ever since they came into their existence. Um, but the NHL playoffs, like I said, are going to start pretty soon. I thought I read something today saying that the NHL playoffs could start Saturday. And the NHL's North Division won't even be completed play. By oh, really? Them. But the uh, the four teams in the NHL's North Division that uh, will be playing in the playoffs, it's basically already set. Calgary still can catch Montreal, but it seems like a pipe dream 
at this point, Toronto will most likely play Montreal in the first round of the playoffs in the North Division. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers will take on the Winnipeg Jets, most likely in the uh, first round of the North yeah. Division playoffs. But an intriguing matchup comes in Florida. The two Florida teams that have never played in the playoffs before together, the Florida Panthers will be facing off against the Tampa Bay Lightning, as you yeah. just dropped your pen. Um, the Florida Panthers will be taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round of the playoffs. Never before have those team, two teams met in the playoffs. And if Saturday was any indication of what a first-round playoff matchup would be like between those two teams, it's going to be nasty and it's going to be awesome. Well, and that's, yeah, that bad blood brewing. Yeah. yeah, what's interesting about Florida is they've won eight of their last ten. Yep. So they're kind of on a little bit of a tail right now. But, uh, yeah, the Miami Herald, after Saturday's heated game, Florida beat Tampa by count of 5-1, which the defending cup champions were obviously not all that pleased about. And I love this quote to the Miami Herald. A hat trick, fights, and 154 minutes in penalties as the Panthers route Tampa in a fiery playoff preview. They're playing tonight, too. Yes. I think. That was 1-0 Florida last time I, I two nothing checked. Panthers. Two nothing. Okay. Uh, midway through the second period. And that Canadian Oilers game, Canadiens Oilers. Yeah, that's on the three, TV here at 3 2 Edmonton. Yep. Uh, I think the Canadiens only need one point. Yeah. And they knock Calgary out. Yeah. Right? So, so, yeah, that'll be, that'll be interesting. No chance that either Gallagher or Price will be in the game Wednesday against the Oilers. Yeah. So, obviously, he's going to shell them for until the playoffs. Until the playoffs. But they might be able to knock. Calgary out anyway. It looks like the Leafs have their mojo back as well, or at least I'm hoping so because I'm a Leafs fan and uh, Jeff Petrie put on just a horrendous display of defense on Saturday that you were still angry about. (laughs) How is it that Jeff Petrie is plus six this year? Can anybody explain to me how Jeff Petrie is plus six? Because he's at, for any time I'm, maybe it's just me when I watch him, but he just, (laughs) he makes so many mistakes every time I turn on the TV. Last year, (laughs) Jeff Petrie was minus 10. Uh, on the season, and then three years ago in 17-18, do you know what his plus-minus was in 82 games? No idea. Minus 30. <laughs> and there are times when I turn on the TV, he looks like a player who's minus 30. So either I've got to quit watching the team that closely or something's got to give. But he is, But I was I was shocked to learn that he was plus six this year because just <laughs> – I, I can't explain it. Of course, uh, before Jeff Petrie joined the Montreal Canadiens, he was part of the Edmonton Oilers. Oilers he, was, yeah. he was part of the pre-McDavid Oilers t- yeah. team. Uh, and there was a couple of teams in that pre-McDavid uh, Oilers uh, you know, years that just did not go well. So uh, one of the years that the Oilers were really struggling, uh, there was a thing that was circulating on social media and, and online, and it was called the Edmonton Oilers drinking game. And it was, oh, Jordan Everly took a penalty, do a shot, this, that, yeah. or whatever. Well, it was, uh, if Jeff Petrie scores, finish your drink. <laughs> so that was the, the one for Jeff Petrie. But we are super excited to see the NHL playoffs uh, start. And uh, there's going to be some, some great matchups. One other note from uh, our friend Les Lazarick, who has been on the podcast before. Uh, the Saskatoon Hilltops are going to start practice on Tuesday ah. as well. So, uh, those, Yeah, those kids will be able to get out on the field and kind of slowly but surely get back into the swing of things. Uh, lots of things happening, lots of sports happening, both locally nationally, internationally as well. So it's good to see that uh, sports are returning, or at least there's a plan for sports to return, depending on the league that you play. And that wraps it up for this week's edition of the YXC Sports Podcast. Make sure to like the YXC Sports Podcast on Facebook. Make sure to share this post. Tell your friends what you need to do to get the YXC Sports Podcast out there. And about we will see you next week.